Hey everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join in with Uncommon Women Podcast, a dope podcast to bring light to reality from real life people sharing real life stories with a host of women having real life talk, the good and the bad with no judgment. Uncommon Women's Loyalty is here to support those that need a safe space to speak their truth and rawness to the world. Tune in, relax, take notes, and let's vibe. Here are your hosts, Uncommon Women. Good evening, everyone, and we are Uncommon Women. I am Jenny Lee. I am your co-host, Tyra. And I am Shanira, and today we have an amazing speaker that's going to be on with us in just a moment to share her testimony. Uh, her name's Marsha. She's a mother, author, a wife, um, engineering and consultant management for over 15 years. She also is helping professional women take control of their life changes. And today she's going to share her testimony of caring for her amazing daughter who recently just had a birthday, uh, but she's also bedridden. And... Um, so she's a woman of many hats, but she's definitely um, blessing other women and just doing a lot of things for the community. So thank you, Marsha, for being a part of Uncommon Women today. It's so good to be here talking to you all before we came on really set the tone and I'm happy to be a part of the show. Yes, amazing. Welcome. So before we get into today's testimony, can you tell us a little bit about you and how was your life growing up? Um, well, let's start with I'm an island girl. I grew up right here where I live, which is Trinidad and Tobago, the last island in the Caribbean. And I grew up, I tell my students, I grew up in front of the forest next to the river. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that, the reason that's important for me to say it to everybody is that no matter where I go, I want people to know that it doesn't matter where you start, it doesn't matter when you fall, it doesn't matter how hard things are, you get to set your cup at whatever you want and you get to make it come into your life. As long as you believe, as long as you're positive, as long as you have a contribution to make, that's all that you need to make you successful. Mm. Wow. So my parents were both teachers, uh, primary school teachers, and our forefathers came from indentureship. So my forefathers would have come from India and they would have been brought to replace slaves when emancipation came. And so they grew up in pretty harsh circumstances as well, with huge numbers of people being packed into barracks and doing the work to replace the slaves who used to do the same work. Right. Um, and we lost a lot, including our names, our heritage, or you don't know how your name is spelled, you don't know anything about where you came from, and a lot of the culture and so on was lost. So. Yeah. My parents grew up, especially my mom, grew up in a very, very poor background. And I remember stories that she would have told me of her mother wanting to send her family, her children to school. But the men had the perspective that girls were to be married off. 
because mm. they couldn't stay in the home and therefore the wealth would leave the home when you marry the girl off. So why would you invest in this girl? Why would you build a girl up to give the wealth to somebody else's family, right? Mm -hmm. So there's one particular aunt when she got to 11, um, some older head maybe her dad decided she's getting tall, it's time to get her married. What a strange reason to get somebody married. Wow. But let's marry mm -hmm. her up. The oldest son, her oldest son said, um, no, we are not getting her married. She needs to go to school. And it was the one male who was saying, no, she has the right to learn. She has the right to become who she's meant to become. And I'm willing to sacrifice. He was in school and he was learning himself. And he said, I'm going to be a student teacher and I will contribute to this home to get all these girls educated. I will sacrifice. So my mom used to go to school. She had one dress, she had no slippers. Wow. And she would go wow. to school um, after feeding the, the one cow and after doing the gardening and after doing whatever, she'd walk to school and get in trouble for being late. Oh, wow. My mom became a teacher. And wow. I became a university lecturer. Mm. Why? Because education wow. for me and for so many others has been the way out of poverty and into seeing a brighter future and into holding people's hands first in a in a in a, a country environment just holding people's hands just my uncle used to go to people's homes and say you don't want to take him to school i'll come and pick him up and take him to school wow. and walk children to school right so i think this is the kind of vibe and value that underlies the work you all do it is let's build communities mm -hmm show people that they are enough let's show people that love connects and that despite whatever labels you put from race from religion from nationality from culture doesn't matter because there's so much that we share so much that we have in common that we need to stop seeing the differences and start mm -hmm. seeing similarities mm -hmm. and growing together mm. I agree. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think, the big message for me from my childhood. Um, mm -hmm. What I grew up with, though, is the feeling that I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Because coming from the background that I explained, there were always people who were richer, smarter, in higher classes, and etc. right? Mm -hmm. Um and so I learned that my parents always served. And I thought, you know what? The way to get acceptance is to always subjugate myself. Yes. Always work harder than everybody else is to always promise, 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 and keep running. Because that's how I'm going to earn respect, find people who appreciate me, and I'd never realized that all of that was buying love. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I didn't realize that until I was in my 30s, mid-30s or late 30s. Wow. So I wow. spent all my working life as an engineer in company after company, mm -hmm. always being the overperformer, always 
taking on the crisis and jumping in there to, to say, yes, yes, I'll do it. Even yeah. if I'm already full and I have no time, I'll take it home. And when everybody else was seen to, I'd start the second job and work till two and three in the morning. Wow. And then go back to work, being at work early and pretend like I was just, you know, I'm here again and I'm ready to go again. Yeah. Never show them that you're human because that makes you weak. And it right. was the of what I needed to do, but I didn't know that. Yeah. When did the transition happen in your life where you had to, when you stopped comparing yourself to others? It did was, you have a burnout? It was as if life was giving me situation after situation to shake me and wake me up, but I wasn't receiving the lesson. So I went hmm. through cycles of problems, abuse yeah. at work and bullying and illness and lots and lots of things. But the real change happened in 2008. My son was one year and three months old, and my father passed away. Okay. He mm. got in an accident, um, must have had a stroke behind the wheel and got in an accident, and he passed away. And um, I remember that day I slept in. I didn't wake And mm. my husband came, and he said, Marsh, wake up. Your dad has been in an accident. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go find his car. And I remember knowing that there was no going to find him because he was already gone. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how I knew that. I suspect he was telling me that. Mm, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, but I told him, no, you're not going to find him. I'm going. If you want me to stay with Brian, that's my son, I think you need to stay with Brian because I'm going to find my, my dad. And well, dad had passed away when we got there. Mm -hmm. but, mm. but what happened is I had said to somebody who was saying something bad about my dad two weeks before. I said, you know, if he passes away, you'll regret what you're saying. You're going to miss him then. And two weeks later, he had passed away. And what came to me was, Marsh, stop crying. You need to do the best you can because this is happening and you have to learn from it. Mm. And I'm feeling so guilty about that thought. Like, how dare you, Marsh, think that you need to make something good of losing the best person in your life? Right. Absolutely. Mm. But it turned out to be the truth because when I stopped and I thought long after, um, what would your dad want for you? And the answer is, he would want me to be living my best life, and he would right. want me to be happy, and he'd mm. want me pursuing whatever it is yeah. that I'm meant to do. Turned out that it was the opposite of what I was doing. I was a mm. very engineer. I did my job well, but it didn't light up my soul. Mm. And I had been laid off the day before he died. Two days. Wow. Before. Wow. So I've been laid off. I had a one-year-old one child, and my father died, who was my very, very best supporter in the world. So it felt like life just collapsed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I took stock, and I said, you know what? You can't get another job like this. You've been in so many before. Right. So he had passed on, and I, had I decided, okay, new life. Yeah. 
I started applying. I wanted to be a teacher. I had been teaching in tertiary education part-time for a long time. I'd given it up when I got when my son was born because I needed time with him. Right. And I realized that just being an engineer, it was filling my pockets. It was giving me a company car and an entity and, and a phone allowance. And, you know, and it seemed to be to the outside world like I had it made. But I was going home and I was crying every day. Yeah. When wow. I saw someone who was my safe space, I would cry as soon as I drove in the car into the yard. It's so unfortunate that it took something devastating, devastating to happen for you to realize you weren't happy, that your job wasn't respecting your boundaries. You know, that is insane. What's mm -hmm. interesting, Tyra, is I knew I wasn't happy. I didn't mm -hmm. have the thoughts to change it. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. Because I would have broken my mom's heart to give up the job. I did. I got the degree. And I got the jobs and so on because this is what a good girl does. Right. A good girl makes yeah. her community proud and her parents proud and yeah. the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. so, and mm -hmm. I was through the same. I am a good girl. I am somebody who sacrifices. I'm somebody who does what's expected. And then dad passed away and I realized, listen, at the end of my life, I don't want a full bank account. I want a full heart. Yes. Mm, I love that. Yes. I want to impact on people using the things that are calling to me in here that I may not have experienced yet, that I may not have given yet, that may be really shaking the foundation for me. It's scary. It's scary to call myself a coach right now. Yeah. Mm. Engineering. Yeah. I got that PhD in industrial engineering in 2019 after 10 years of doing my PhD. Wow. Wow. And sometimes I think, you know, Marsh, you must be really, in Trinidad, we use this word, dunsy. <laughs> you must be slow, right? Because it took you 10 years to get a PhD. How embarrassing is that, right? Stop it. But there's a reason I say it publicly because I need to let other people know there's no shame in perseverance. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no shame in having a tough life because my daughter has been brain injured in those 10 years. Mm -hmm. I've been the full-time caregiver of a brain injured bedridden daughter and starting a career in, in um, academia and starting up a uh, 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 research for a PhD. If it takes me ten years, then and you want to you want to judge me, then go right ahead. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's the things I tell myself that bother me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is to say, okay, Marsh, let's tune in to the crap that you tell yourself. Have a stack of um. A stack of journals where I write that stuff out. Right. And this is positive stuff, right? No. <laughs> it's it's all the negative things, the, the the negative mindset and beliefs that were baked in there from childhood mm. that came up the as you bury. Okay. Words. Yeah. So it's the <laughs> I am not enough kind of things. It's the mm. you know, are you too ethnic? Okay. Or 
you know that that accent that you have no no first world person wants to listen to you i actually really like it <laughs> oh so do i i love it <laughs> but so often it's not about what anybody else thinks right it's what you yeah. think right? mm -hmm. so i mm -hmm. see and we all see the difference between yeah. everybody else right right mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but there's a reason i show up with very little makeup on usually it's even less than this there's no jewelry and there's no makeup on the usual shot of me yeah and it is because i've been retraining myself to realize mm -hmm. marsha worthy even without it yes mm. yes and if i feel triggered by it then that's the call to lean in a little bit more mm -hmm. And if somebody wants to tell me, because my mom had this habit of telling me when I stopped by, she'd say, Marsh, you're going to an interview tomorrow? Put on a jacket, okay? And I'm like in shock. I'm like, mom, have you ever seen me show up to a work engagement looking anything less than professional? But see, in her mind, Marsh is this too down to earth, too straightforward person. So polish up a little. I polish mm -hmm. it when I need to. I understand what professionalism is, but it doesn't replace who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And too often, the women that I work with in my coaching practice think that in order to be worthy to be executive women, they have to give up who they really are. And they have to put on these masks that say, I'm perfect. I'm always on. I always have the answer. I never have feelings. I'm not soft. And I'm not. I'm naturally so much harder than many women. But guess what? Even that used to be a reason to think I didn't belong. Mm. Why can't I be more feminine? And now it's like, okay, Mash, you aren't as feminine as many people think you should be. And you're way too masculine compared to what some people think you should be. And then when you go to work, they think as an engineer, you should be a whole lot more masculine. And then you realize, why am I listening? Because what I should be tuning into is here where only I can see and hear it. Yeah. And that's the journey that will go on, I think, for the next 30, 40, 50 years until the end of your life, because you never reach perfection. And that's the joy of living, that we get to evolve. I love that. That's amazing. And I love how, you know, you wanted to go back to school and be a teacher and, you know, do something different for your life. How... How was it mentally for you to be able to, you know, leave the house knowing that your your daughter, you know, is brain damaged and, you know, needing 24/7 care? Well, it didn't it I didn't leave the house and leave her with somebody, not for many many years. Okay. What I did is I so we had taken her at age 8 months to the states to do open heart surgery because she had been born with a problem that hadn't been diagnosed. And we'd been told that here in Trinidad, we couldn't do surgery. We had to wait until it became critical enough that we'd have to fly her out of the country. Wow. To wow. That happened when she was eight months old. So in November of 2012, we went to the States. 
we had that surgery within a week and the open heart surgery went well um this is a clear picture of M with us just before we moved her into the theater that morning in november and um the day before emma had been standing for the first time wow. to press these lights on an activity center mm -hmm. handed her over she came out of the surgery all was well um she had a tube that connected her to a ventilator in the icu bed and that night a doctor said you know what she's breathing above the ventilator she's doing really well the ventilator is no longer doing the breathing for her she's breathing for herself the sooner we pull the, the ventilator pull off the ventilator the better for her in terms of recovery time so right here tonight right now we're going to extubate her pull that ventilator tube out they didn't wait until they were fully staffed in the day they decided to do it in the night Oh wow! And for some, by some crazy happenstance, instead of pulling out the tube, they pull out the drain tube from her heart, <sighs> and she bled out. So Sean and I, Sean is my husband. Um, we had learned to read the machines and so on, but I was yeah. in my I was in my flip-flops and jeans and nobody knew I was an engineer. They didn't know he was a biology person. And we were looking like two little rural people who weren't very smart. And um, so we spotted the problem before they spotted the problem. And we went to the nurse and we said, that box at the foot of the bed with the drain line connected is filling up with Emma's blood. By the time the nurse saw it, alarms went off. Emma flatlined, and that was it. So they now set alarms throughout the ICU, and they are calling everybody, leave your stations, every ICU doctor, every ICU nurse, get to this room. Um, the doctor on call, I guess, rushed in, cracked open Emmy's chest, put his hand in, started to massage her heart, trying to get her heart to start again. In the meantime, it's just a flat line on the monitor. Wow. And just a beep and the alarms, right? And they put us out. And they said, you know, you need to leave. So we sat right there on the on the edge of the room, on the tile floor, and we're looking at them. 20 minutes pass. Three minutes is when brain injury sets in. We only learned that after. 20 minutes had passed and M wasn't coming back. Wow. Before I went to the open heart surgery, before we came to, to the States, I remember praying and praying every day and saying, Dear God, please help me to accept your will. I don't know why I said the prayer that I said, but I have never really prayed like that. That was the prayer I had set up to that point. Sitting there on that tile floor, I said, God, I can't say, I can't say, let me accept your will. Give me my child back. And the second I said it, Emma's heart started. Whoa wow going on the monitor and my child had come back but she didn't come back the way that i thought she was going to come back it wasn't this mm -hmm. emma the child that came back had lost all of her senses and mm -hmm. she had lost the ability to suck and swallow and she started to seize 
they had put her on seizure medicine. The next morning at six, she was seizing again, so they doubled the seizure medicine. And they said, you know, eventually, it took two weeks for them to say, well, her organs haven't shut down, so let's do an MRI now. Last organ to check is her brain. And they came back and they said, well, her brain should show gray on this MRI, but your daughter's brain shows white. Her brain has been white. So it's been rubbed off oxygen for that 20 minutes and all the cells died. So she's vegetative and she's going to stay vegetative for life. The next part was some doctor, and I've, I've wiped so much of this, I think God wiped this stuff. Um, but some doctor said to me, my advice to you, because M was drinking five ml of my breast milk every day. Wow. I had to stop her organs from shutting down. It was only my milk. And I had kept pumping my milk all the time and freezing in their freezer. So my milk had dried up from the stress, but I had a freezer full of milk. And so they were thawing the milk and they were giving us five ml a day. That's all that kept her going. And the doctor said to me, our advice, well, his advice, I think it was a he, is to withhold food and allow her to go. And I remember it just never was. I didn't have to pause to think because it never was a choice. It was like, okay, in one ear, out the other. And I remember for my husband, thankfully, it was the exact same. We've always been on the same page when it comes to him. So then, and that's a big, big blessing when it comes to special needs kids, because far too often dad feels so stressed and it doesn't fit the equation of how life should be. And, and many, many dads leave at that point. Um, the second message I had was, well, if you all refuse to withhold food, the advice we have is put her in a home and move on because your life will never be worth living, you know? She's just going to be this and i think they said a log in a bed wow 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 m, m turned 11 she was eight months old then she turned 11 last last week the 16th of march wow happy belated so, birthday <laughs> yeah happy belated birthday she yeah. has all these playlists with music from all genres Okay. She loves John Legend's All of Me. I think most of them. Oh, yeah. Um, she so she loves. We sing Christmas music every single day. Wow. is a common common song here. Since she turned five, we've been singing Happy Birthday to her almost yeah. every day because she loves Happy Birthday. Oh. Um, she loves starting a day with a prayer and three amens. I'm a Presbyterian, so we have these three amens here. Well, oh. the three amens, when I say each one, she repeats with her own arm. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Non-verbal, but she's able to vocalize now, where before it used to be silence. That's amazing. Once upon a time, you'd see Emma's tears. You'd see mm. Emma as if she was screaming, and no sound would come out. It's like the worst horror movie you could be in. Wow. And now mm. Emma laughs so joyfully. She cries. Mm. She, she says she says three words really so far. 
The first one is Dada, because Dada is the best person in the whole world for her. And she's the best person in the whole world for Dada, too. Uh -huh. We are a match made in heaven. And um, she says hello, but not like that. It's like if we leave her and we're washing the dishes and she's alone. Mm -hmm. She's like, hello. Because <laughs> I should be a priority here. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, so, I mean, you're already getting personality for days. Mm -hmm. And um, and she says, alala, which is oh. I love you. Oh, oh wow. That's even cuter than um, So when I come in, so somebody asked me once, so don't you feel bad she doesn't say mommy? And I'm like, heck no. Why would I feel bad if my child knows how to speak? Mm -hmm. Child has preference and can express it. Yeah. I'm so happy she prefers daddy. <laughs> daddy you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so this journey has been one of real big downs of real brokenness um, and of feeling trapped. Most specialist parents will take offense at me saying that I think many people, not just specialist parents, many people will take offense at me saying I felt trapped. But like I said, it is my truth. I loved my child. There was never a day when I did not love my child. But you can be walking through a very, very dark place and also feel trapped and scared and resentful yes. and, pain, and painful, right? Mm -hmm. So I so broken and beaten down and I was so resentful about I was told if you're a good person you work real hard life will be good to you right we all hear this so how come life wasn't good to me and all my dreams just suddenly went up in smoke mm -hmm. how come the things I was working hard to provide for my son suddenly disappeared and I couldn't provide them for him because all the money disappeared right keeping him alive mm -hmm. um, how come everything just felt like my whole future was limited to living the same day over and over? Because every day I'd wake up and it would be the exact same day. I'd have back pain and I'd have to figure out how to still lift up this child who yes. she's now 55, 56 pounds, take mm -hmm. her to the bath, figure out how to lift her and move her back. And it was hard, you know? And then one day, I woke up and I remember this dark feeling just dropping over me and I said, oh, familiar dark feeling. Consciousness had returned. The heaviness of what I know as my reality has come over me. And I'm thinking, here we go, another day, right? Mm -hmm. Coming through that darkness came Emma's laugh and it's just weaving through the house. Wow. Hmm. And Emma's laugh is the most joyful thing. I have some some videos on my pages where you'll just hear Emma's laugh. And like, I might get two likes on my other posts, but I'll get 72 or, or a thousand or something on Emma's laugh once. You know, Aww. because this little laugh comes through and it, and it breaks through the darkness. And it says to me, mm. stop, mommy. Mm. Because you... I'm mourning what you lost. What did you lose? Mm. Mm. I lost nothing. Yeah. I still have all my senses. 
I still have my cognitive function. I can still eat and move and do everything else. The person who lost it all is laughing in the other room. Wow. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah. The person who lost mm -hmm. it all. <laughs> a bird outside her window and saying, God, thank you for another day. I'm enjoying the heck out of these blessings that you've given me. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I don't doubt I'm enough. I do not see what I do not have because I'm enough exactly as I am. Hmm. So you all actually asked me a question in briefing me for this interview and one and and it's a, a very atypical response I'm going to give, but you'll 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 see why. The question was who is it that inspires you the most on this journey as a special needs parent? And the strange answer is the special needs child that I'm caring. Mm -hmm. And I never would have dreamed that this would be the answer, but it is the answer that came up when you all, when I read your question. And that's because I think Emma came here with a big lesson to teach the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm her translator. <laughs> yeah. I, love I love it. That. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I was like, I don't have any tissues. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Tissues, girl. <laughs> uh. she, she can't say the words. But she talks to me. You know, I, I've never not known. Neither has Sean. We've both always known. And Brian as well. That's our son. We know what she says. We know mm. what she wants. Because when you have, and anybody who doubts it, when you have a newborn, you know what they want. Mm -hmm. yeah. You are connected mm -hmm. and you are able to interpret. In our case, we never lost that because Emma right. never came up. And we never substituted with listening to words. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we know our child and we know what she wants. And we know when she's frustrated and we know when she's happy and we know when she's in pain, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Does that mean it's not scary? It's scary a lot of the time. Um, but my job is to learn how to not let my over-planning, over-logicking engineer brain try to take the lead because the days for that are behind me. It's intuition mm. that needs mm. to fall. Right. And intuition is what led me to say you know what marsh teaching is where your heart is teaching in a university is only a part of how because you're meant to impact on people who feel the same kind of overwhelm who feel the same kind of brokenness who feel the self-doubt and the i am not enough and the i have to overgive and overcommit and overwork right yeah, yeah. And i need to tell them how to switch that off and how to tune in to this light that was always there because when you were a child that light was really bright mm -hmm. and you learned how to turn it down mm -hmm. and now one day at a time one moment at a time we get to choose no i don't want to turn it down i'm turning it up no i don't want to listen to that person who tells me all the things that make me different make me unworthy <laughs> Because what makes me different is what makes me worthy. Hmm, that's true. That's right. What makes you uncommon? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. Definitely. 
so that's why, and this might be the right time to tell you about the book. Um, yes. That's why Emma's book is what got written. And I call it oh, light. Yeah. Emma's name means light. It's oh. Emma, Lucia, Priscilla, Balkisun. Mm. Long, long name, long <laughs> But what it means is ancient universal light. Mm, and I love that. that's what I see. I see that she's connected to light. That like every baby, she's really, really innocent and tapped in. Yeah. She hasn't lost mm. that. And so sometimes when I felt that I was walking through the darkest, scariest parts, I didn't realize like I do now that if we want to help other people through their darkness, we have to walk the path first and find our way through. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. only when we know the path, are we going to be able to hold somebody's hand from two steps ahead and say, come on, I know the way. Let me light your path. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Where can we get this book? <laughs> it's available in many, many um, traditional bookstores okay. as well as online bookstores. And it's on Amazon as well. Nice. Love Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> What was kind of cool for me was I made this decision when I put the book out because I doubted myself for years about writing the book. And in 2020, I woke up one day and I heard, today you'll be writing the book. You'll be starting to write your book. And for the first time, I didn't doubt. And I just said, okay, I'm starting to write a book. Wow. And a publisher had showed up in my life two weeks before. And I had... Wow, confirmation. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. <laughs> I had brought her on to support her because I thought she was doing great work. So I was doing a, a series, an interview series like you all, and it was called the Change Maker series. Mm. And I said, you know what? She's a change maker. So let me put, let me do this interview with her. And I wasn't thinking about my book. So I just did it to shine a light on her and her work. Two weeks later, I needed a publisher. <laughs> there you That's have amazing. it. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> he had really struck up a friendship. And so she was running a book coaching thing. And I said, "Could would you mind coaching me? And she said, sure. I think about a month and a half into the journey, she had read like four chapters. Um, and it's maybe a 12 or 13 chapter book. And she mm -hmm. said, I'd like to publish your book. I don't need to say anymore. I just oh, need to book. That is amazing. And, and I was like, okay, no problem. Um, <laughs> I'm cool with that because I wasn't even thinking so far, right? I was just like, let's write the book. Right. Um, so the book went out and I said to myself, Marsh, you are an over warrior. So you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to read what people say about this book. When yeah. it was wrong, I didn't read. I didn't go to check. But one day, a cousin of mine said, you know, Marsh, um, somebody put a review up on your book, so you should go check it. So I thought that there was a review on my book. <laughs> I went up on Amazon and there were 
40 reviews on my book. Yes. And the 40 reviews were like 4.9 and 5 star. That was it. <laughs> so all I had told myself is that, Marsh, why are you writing this book? You're writing this book for the one parent who is falling in the hole right now, mm. who this is happening to right now. So mm. if meets the needs of that one person, success. Mm. And that's how I wrote the book. I wrote the book talking to that you and holding that you's hand, right? But mm. then I saw, okay, you've, you've, you've met that one person. And the cool thing was, in the beginning, I wrote this book for the special needs parents. The me who didn't have somewhere to lean and some hand to hold and say, it might be dark now and it might be scary, but I promise you, it gets better. Mm-hmm. And here are the tools. Here are some of the stories. Here are some of the tips. And here are checklists. Every single chapter has this checklist to say, follow these things and you'll be okay. And then lo and behold, I look at the reviews and the reviews say, I'm not a special needs person. I'm not a special needs parent. Mm. I'm reading this book again because it's a book for overwhelmed people. Yeah. It's a book to say, this is a human condition just on steroids. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because this is my challenge. Exactly. Does it mean it's the only challenge? Yeah. It's not. So many people are struggling with their right. particular brand of challenge. And it's mm-hmm. not about comparing, well, my challenge is harder or I deserve more pity or sympathy. Because when I was younger, a small thing is to flatten me the way this big thing flattens me. Mm-hmm. It's about where we are in life yeah. and what the effect of whatever is on us. It's not about the size compared to anybody else. You're absolutely right. And mm. so that's what lit me up because everybody keeps saying, Marsha, you need to coach special needs parents. And what my heart says to me is, sure, I can coach special needs parents and I'd love to, but they aren't the people that I'm limited to. Yeah, because I am so much more than a special needs parent. Right. Yeah. And all the other things. And we all feel overwhelmed. Here's how mm. to step out of that. Here's how to grow your vision. Here's how to tap into what is meant to light you up and how you are meant to light up the world. And here's how to start refocusing and repositioning. And mm. with what's inside, which means that nobody else gets to see it. Right. And I don't have to go and post pictures of me kissing my husband on our anniversary to prove I have a relationship with yeah. him. Mm. And just because I put a picture of M or a picture of me, I don't have to be perfectly made up for it to be a fair picture to put up. Mm. You know? I do feel embarrassed by some of the ugly stuff I put up. <laughs> but, but That's you being you though. Yeah, exactly. We like to be critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, excuse me, when I was growing up, a particular adult in my life told me how big my nose was and how ugly I was. Wow. And I used to have even fuller lips when I was younger. And this adult used to tell me to bite my lip, pull it Mm -hmm. and bite it. 
and make sure nobody else sees. Wow. I think that person went to a, a school that was run by people who looked different. And mm. that person learned that beauty looks different and mm. decided that even though they didn't look like that, they would adopt those beauty standards. Wow. And then brought it into my home and told me, no, 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 I see so much that's wrong with you. Yeah. So you're not worthy. And I went through my life thinking I'm so ugly. Mm. Right? And I still look at pictures because it's hard to shake these things. I still yeah. look at pictures on some days. I'm like, geez, boy. Huh. You know? Especially in today's social media world. I mean, everybody knows how to contour now. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows how to make your lip look fuller, or how to make your lip look thinner, mm -hmm. or how to make yeah. your lip look like you don't have the extra on the right? And do I feel pressure? Mm -hmm. If I want to grow my coaching business, if I look a little more cookie cutter, might I get some more views? I'm betting I would. But then would I be standing that I'm trying to tell people yeah. to take on for themselves? Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. I want to say be authentic. Yeah. And that would be your childhood all over again. You know, right. you're doing yeah. what everyone else thinks is the right way for you to live. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this journey has been when M, M was born with six, six fingers on one hand. We didn't know. They didn't tell us. Wow. And for some reason, I was counting. And I didn't count for my son. But again, intuition. So I'm counting. And I keep getting six. And I'm like, oh, I must be on drugs. You know, the drugs <laughs> me to, to count six. So I kept counting. And then I called my, my, my husband over. And I said, Sean, please do some counting for me. I keep getting six. And he counted. And he started to cry because he's a biology teacher. Wow. Mm. And wow. I said, you know, like, why are you crying? And he said, well, Marsh, it is six. And when you have six fingers, it often means that you have malformation of organs. Wow. So I'm going to go find the doctor now and ask for a full checkup because I don't think they've checked out properly. Mm. And that's wow. what started us. Next morning, we found out about the four problems in the heart and then everything else the whole procedure yeah. wow wow you know sometimes they say life doesn't happen to you it happens for you mm -hmm. you had told me that 10 11 years ago i'd have gotten pretty angry with you right right no. you would have gotten me so mad because mm. often when we are feeling crushed we're not going to listen to the philosophy like Stop that nonsense. Right. Yeah. The fact is I, I am living in pressure still. And it doesn't change the fact that life is pretty stressful for me day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But do I think that life has happened for me and continues to happen for me? Yes. Somebody actually asked me if I had to choose again, would I choose life without M? What? Yeah. People ask oh, you wonderful no. questions in this life. I um, and I, I needed that question because 
it was such a ridiculous question but it, it is give me the chance to say heck no because my life is lit so much more than it ever was mm. the day that i lost em and got her back i understood yeah. for the first time what really mattered mm. made you cherish everything yeah <laughs> for me to me right so for each person i think you'd come up with a slightly different answer right but mm -hmm. for me it's my the love from my family this connection and these four people they are exactly the four that i think are meant to be together mm -hmm. and you know we've lost so much you know um, materially since then mm -hmm. But always the big treasure remains. Mm, yeah. It has opened me up to a whole different path in my life. So life has happened for me and continues to happen for me. Yeah. I love it. So do I. It's it's you have like an amazing story. It's such the bravery and then like you're but you know, being a mother of special needs. You know, not everyone can do what you do. And, and I applaud you. You're, you know, a mother's love is unconditional and there's nothing compared to anything, especially, you know, us, you know, as me being a mother and Shanera being a mother and Tyra being a mother, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. But you know, it, it being a mother is an amazing gift and a blessing from God. And I thank you for your brave testimony and, and yeah. thank you so much, uh, Marsha for coming on and speaking your story and, and especially with your book that is inspiring others out there. So, um, thank you again. Um, for, thank you for our listeners this evening for coming on and listening to this powerful story. Um, if you or anyone um, like to be a guest speaker, um, make make you can email us at uncommonwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you tune in every Monday for Motivational Mondays with Tyra, our <laughs> girl guru. Um, uh, make sure you check her out, be inspired, and make sure you follow and like our YouTube channel, um, Uncommon Women Podcast, as well as uh, tune in next week for another amazing and powerful story at 8 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Time, and stay uncommon. Thank so you. there is one question, Marcia, that I wanted to ask before we actually uh, wrap up, and it's what makes you uncommon? I thought long and hard about this because we often think there's nothing much special about ourselves, right? What makes me uncommon, I think, is that I'm willing to show that I'm very, very flawed and that I'm enough anyway. Yeah. You're very transparent. It taught, it taught me a lot. And even though I'm not a mom, you never know. And, you know, everyone says, you know, what are you having? That's a common question. And they say, I just want a healthy baby. And it's like, no. Like, you gave me a whole different perspective. Like, no, I want mm. what's for me. I don't, you know what I mean? I, it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, so that's amazing. And even though I'm not a parent yet, you definitely humbled me. You know what I mean? In so many different ways. So it was a blessing talking to you. Thank you so much. I have one thing I want to say before you end, if that's okay. 
Absolutely. You said I'm a wonderful mom, and I appreciate that. But I can't help but say my husband is so much um, the glue that keeps me together and keeps our family together. He doesn't fall into the traditional role of that. He's the one that she wants to feed him. Mm. to feed her and to hold her so often. I'm the one who goes and does therapy and rough plays. And <laughs> so in some ways, we exchange roles, right? I schedule the therapies and I do the research. and I. But he's the gentle touch. Mm. He's the loving one. And so I really needed to say that I'm so grateful for Sean. And I think that that's a big reason that my life feels blessed, that I have really, really wonderful guys in my life. My son, Brian, who's 16, and my husband, who's mm. been un unstated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that you have, you have someone that is not only good to you, but amazing with your daughter. Yes, amazing support. Um, shout out to Sean, aka. Um, our nurse is Melissa. Okay. And she feels like my sister. Mm. Wow. That's, a good that's, a, that's good when you have somebody, a caregiver like that, that, that you have a bond like that and a relationship. Because that goes to show how much she she cares and loves you and loves your daughter and your family. Yeah, she's amazing. a blessing. I love it. I'm so happy that you do have um, an amazing support team. And, you know, Emma's 11 years old now and just striving. And I'm super excited to see what this year and maybe next year brings for her, what new words we might have. So yes. I want to stay connected with you. Um, yes. I appreciate you opening up today and sharing your amazing testimony um, and just, you know, still being the light that you are and and going through everything that you've been through in life from even being a child. Um, yes. So thank you, Marsha. We truly appreciate you for coming on our show today. And uh, viewers, remember, stay uncommon. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you've been shacking up with us for a while and haven't subscribed to our channel, what are you waiting for? Please like and subscribe to Uncommon Woman so you won't miss another episode. And remember, don't let anything or anyone affect your peace. Good vibes and stay uncommon.